It's the Tiltcast, episode 568. You can't stop me. At all. And, and this week, guys, we talk Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, mm. Fallout 4 with mods, with Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader, and Avatar from Tears of Pandora. Stay tuned. I'm blue. Not a cap. Uh, uh, two games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's Tillcast. It's, uh, it's an M rated show and the last show of the year of 2023. What season is this? It's it's a season of a thing. Oh, God. Uh, 13, I think. If is, I remember is right. Is this the last episode? The, the last episode of season 13? Nice. We could yeah. be totally wrong. Definitely. I'm going to have to find out. Anyway, we're back. I don't know. It's the last it episode of season 14. There we go. Oh, no. 14. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we got back lost. To, back in time. 14 seasons. That's a lot. That's a I had to open time. up my tags file. <laughs> um, oh, I guess we should get started. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. I'm Rusty. And with the three of us, you're going to get... Who knows the amount of time of bullshit that you're going to get? Bullshit. Some games, some news. Um, Rusty, it's been a long time since you've been on the show. Well, you know, like that's October. What happens when, <laughs> that's what happens when uh, when when you uh, fucking come down with the vid. You haven't had the vid since October. Uh, okay. Nah, it fucking feels that way though. That's that's for sure. Oh my I'm just God. giving him shit. Rusty's had 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 legitimate excuses the last several weeks, but me and Jason have been holding down the fort. Yep, it's been all right. You've been recovering, buddy. You're good. Well, then last week what worked out perfectly. You had the vid, and then I was out of town. Right. So I couldn't no, record I, it anyway. Yeah. Well, you know. It's been going around, man. It's 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 been a. It's, this your first time? This is my first time. Yes. Um, so you got the baby bid. I can tell you, it's it's the pits. Don't uh, I would not recommend. It's uh, it is not 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 the funnest time in the world. Um, I I didn't know I had it. I mean, obviously, you don't necessarily know you get you know you get fucking anything, right? I thought. I just manned up. I was like, okay, I went to work. I, you know, I was feeling all right at work. And I'm like, all right, fine. I go home uh, and I had to stop to get gas. And this is when I first knew something was wrong. I, when I left work, it wasn't necessarily overly cold, but it was still cold, right? I had a cold wind. And uh, I get out to get, you know, pump gas in the car and you get one of those chills like you've that, you know, that it will make you feel like you will never get warm again. It's the to the bone chill. And no matter what you do, you are like violently shaking your cold. It's not natural. It's called a fever. Well, yeah, it is. I hit that while I was pumping gas and I was like, Oh, this is not good at all. And you know, the rest of that night I could not get warm. 
just couldn't. Nothing I did could not get warm. Went to bed. I covered myself up with three comforters. I couldn't get warm. It was just terrible. And sometime in the middle of the night, I I wake up and I'm like fucking sweaty and clammy and fucking feeling nasty. And I was like, oh, God, this sucks. And like, I probably shouldn't go into work tomorrow. So I didn't go into work the next day. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, I had a fever. I, I broke the fever. I didn't have the fever anymore. But I I feel like shit, so I'm not gonna go into work. I uh, uh, I don't like sometime in the middle of the day because when you're sick, it doesn't matter what time a day it is. You just sleep when you're tired, right? Um, I take a you know I go back to sleep. I wake up at like six o'clock and I wake up with a new fever. I don't like this is not this isn't right. Normally you break a fever, it's done, right? You don't get it back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my, my buddy's like, hey, you should probably test just to see whether or not you, you know, you, you were exposed to COVID or not. Like, ah, this isn't COVID. This is just a bad, you know, this is a bad cold. You know, I'm never, I don't, I normally don't get sick. That's a, that's a thing for me. Um, but so, that fever said, love you two times. Yeah, uh, well, that's not the that's not the thing. I mean, I I tested and I tested positive. Like it, the the positive you know side of that thing was so pink that it was almost red. Like it was very positive. It's it 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 was no dis, you know no wishy washy. No, you have COVID. Uh, like oh fuck, I go through three full fevers. And three full breaks of it. And that was like the worst. Because every single time you have a fever, it feels like you've been run over by a truck. I had it for three days straight. <laughs> it was bad, man. I felt I, I went through uh so you I go to Sam's Club and I and I buy like uh propel waters, like the fucking you know, like the 24 pack of fucking propel bottles, right? I went through two of those in three days. 48 fucking bottles of water. <laughs> it was, it was rough, man. <laughs> um, not, not, I do not recommend. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a, it was just a, it was not a fun time. Like I couldn't, I couldn't have fun. There was no fun to be had. Um, I don't remember what happened most of that week. Uh, I slept most of it. <laughs> I assume. Uh, otherwise, I was miserable. And that was one of the reasons why I wasn't on the show for uh, for a couple weeks, is because it it took me about two weeks to get over it. And I'm not quite completely done. I I still got the sniffles, but the sniffles are uh, harmless, you know, things that just piss me off and doesn't, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's not contagious or anything. But yeah, that's that was part of the reason why I wasn't here. Um, yeah, I was going to say earlier last month I had a really bad, no, it was allergies or a flu or something, but I had something and I didn't want to take time off work, so work through it. I lost hearing, like 90% of my hearing in my left ear. 
um, yep. for about three and a half weeks. That's an ear infection, dude. And I got like a thing to a water pick to spray the inside of my ear, and that is not at all comfortable. Let me tell you, not so. with an ear infection. Holy shit! Yeah, that's like fucking jabbing a goddamn sword in your head. I have holy shit. I have a really high pain tolerance and a, a lot of persistence. Well, so I just kind of I mean, like I did too. I just kind of like. I'll give you an idea. This is kind of gross. Do you know what a tonsil stone is? Yes. I removed a tonsil stone on my own because it was bugging the shit out of me. Well, I mean. I took a Q-tip and just hit my gag reflex over and over and over again about 50 times until I got the fucker out. Because <laughs> it felt like I had Damn. a popcorn kernel like stuck to my tonsil. Yeah. Jesus. And Ugh. I just couldn't take it. I could. I got my OCD got the better of me. I was like, I'm going to get this fixed. And I he's, took my flashlight, like, shined it in my with my left hand in my throat, and looking in the mirror, and I'm just like scrubbing until I got that fucker off there. The, here I am, like envisioning those TikToks that you can fucking watch of uh, a dude like pulling fucking pearls out of a clam. Yeah, it's not that big. It was like <laughs> probably about twice the size size of a head of a pen, but like uh, it was still there. I could still see it. I was like, "It's right. my am I infected or is it a tonsil stone?" Because I get those occasionally. Mm -hmm. Probably TMI and a little bit gross. Worst yes, things. Of it's quite nasty. You know, getting old sucks, people. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, fuck this. Not dealing with that. But. Well, I have officially <laughs> like survived the last. Say what? Two weeks. I have officially survived all of my family going through the flu the last two weeks without getting it. Well, that's good because I'm going to see you next Friday. Lucky. And I hope to not have the flu over Christmas. <laughs> no, I'm I'm and, I'm all set now. I'm, but I'm, I survived COVID. Basically, I'm Superman now. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. <laughs> I, I am invincible. <laughs> yeah, and he said that right before he blew up too. <laughs> <laughs> Q fireball. <laughs> Here I am messing with a uh, pen too. Oh my god! But, but yeah, no. And the bad part was it like it like snowballed quickly. So like the the last time I saw you, Justin, the eldest came down with the flu that next day. That Saturday, you were in Nashville. Mm. So. Yeah, she definitely, uh, and then, of course, Crystal got it right afterwards. But the flu is one of those things I very, rare, very, very rarely get. Like, I've had it since, in my adult life, I've had it three times. You know, now you'll sure get it three more times. It, I, I'm I sure I had it, I sure, I'm sure I had it quite a bit when I was a kid, but. In the last two years, I get sick about once a year. I got sick. I got COVID when I broke up with my ex, right? The very, very, very beginning of 2022, like the first week of 2022. And then I got sick last month. And that's my history of sickness over the last wow. two years. Besides yeah. random I, random uh, migraines, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, I well, get, aside from the chronic migraines, I usually get sinus infection once or twice a year, but. That's allergies. That's not I, being sick, sick, right? 
I don't so. I don't get sick. When I say I don't get sick, I generally don't get sick. Like I I just don't. Um I have I I, <laughs> I have a condition where my uh my immune system is actually over uh, uh overzealous. Uh and I have to take a medication that like knocks that shit down a peg. Uh, so, <clears throat> and it's just recently that I went on to something like the most powerful one that I, you know, that I can get my hands on. Um, we were thinking when you're thinking like medications, this shit's so fucking like, it's so expensive without insurance that it's, you know, not even feasible to take. It's the kind of, you know, thing that you get one syringe and it's like $14,000 worth of fucking medication because, you know you know the american medical system uh but still it's it it it's the, that kind of thing so technically i'm immunocompromised when i'm on it that makes sense um but i don't normally get sick because i'm so high in like uh, my my immune system is so fucking strong that that only makes, you know, knocks it down to just above normal for most people. So I can hang around people who have colds and you know shit. I actually survived COVID from uh, from my you know my roommate. He had COVID uh, last year. I I didn't get it because I mean I wasn't on this. I wasn't on this stuff. So my fucking uh, my immune system was so fucking strong that it just said no to COVID. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this time I got it. Not fun. Um, I did. Uh, there was there was some other shit that happened. I oh fuck, I I don't remember exactly a whole a whole lot of what's going on here with uh, with life is concerned. Ah shit, what fun have I had? Uh I mean, man, when was the last time, time I said been playing talked games, to haven't you? But uh, me play games? No, I would play games. I'm not on a video game podcast at all. What the fuck are you talking about? Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I can I can tell you right now, I was fucking super duper fucking pleasantly surprised with the uh, uh video game awards. But uh, we'll talk about that later. I think. Yeah. Um. Uh. So let's see. Vigi games. What did I? What have I played during you know during the fogginess that was my fucking uh, uh, COVID experience? Um, uh, I played a bunch of Soulstone Survivors, uh, and I tried, I tried the first level of uh, Armored Core. <laughs> I tried Armored Core while sick. That's the imagine how far I got. Not past the first boss? No, not past the first boss. In fact, I said, fuck this thing, threw the controller, and walked away. Uh, FromSoft beat me the first time. Uh, so it's uh, so currently, for Armored Core, it's uh, FromSoft 1, Rusty 0. You got gatekept. Uh, I did. I got gatekept. Like, I know as soon as you get past that first boss, like, you get... You know, you you have some uh, some latitude as far as like what your loadouts it, are, and you can actually kind of like 
you can new game plus right after you beat the game and it goes back to that and it still gives you the starter ship mech oh it still does yeah, yeah. because it doesn't want you to start to be that fucking hard it's it's meant to it's meant to get you used to having nothing it's and meant to, working with know, just a sword and a pistol or whatever they give you yeah it's meant to you know to uh weed the fucking you know boys out and boy was i a boy when i first started that shit i was like oh this game runs great it looks great i'm like you know taking out the little mechs everyone you know and those i wasn't taking much damage and i was like great this is this i know that there's a boss coming up that's gonna suck and then the boss came up and it pushed my shit in a couple hundred times and i'm like okay i'm done i need something that's like no brain I can turn it off and just, you know, you know, have some dumb fun because my, you know, I was just, I was weak. <laughs> so Soulstone Survivors, it was, uh, I bought that and, um, uh, like it's, it's not a, it's not a bad game. It's, it's not a bad game. There is, it gets to a point where it says, fuck you about a, an hour into each run. Um, but, um, it's, it's not bad. I almost, almost, uh, miss the, uh, the time limit from, uh, you know, vampire survivors because, you know, vampire survivors, you know, you're going to sit down maximum 30 minutes, right? Right. You know, soulstone survivors, it kind of drags out the, uh, the runs a lot longer than it needs to. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of a thing. I know that because it is a survivor like it was, I mean, it's in the, it's in the fucking name, right? Soulstone survivors um, is pretty good. It is. It is a good game. Like it, it wants to be different from its original. Um, and it does so in, you know, in different ways. So there's different classes that you can uh you can unlock and it's not like the uh the characters in you know vampire survivors these have different like starting abilities you can eventually get rid of those abilities if you want to uh but the starting abilities make um make it so that uh for instance i'm using the spellblade the spellblade as a uh, as a character uh, most of his attacks are slashed attacks, so it's kind of like a conal attack. Um, and, you know, there's different bonuses that you can get throughout the run that increase slash damage. Uh, and getting that synergy for that character means that your character will, you know, will ramp up in power. Uh, and be able to, you know, to handle some of the elites that come through, uh, you know, fairly quickly. Whereas some of the other characters, like the, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, pyromancer uh, or uh, fire mage, uh, will have, um, you know, will have bonuses to like fire damage, you know. So you can, you know, you can get the the entire fucking map just going with meteors and shit like that and being able to, you know, wipe the map clean. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. Um, but like I said, each run is, I think is a little long lived. You have the option of like ending a run, but most of the time, by the time you're up there, you're like, 
fuck it, let's go for the next stage, you know? Right. So, um, I just put a few, you know, you know, put a few hours in there. It's good, you know, you can turn your mind off and just kind of like dodge attacks, uh, and you know, and have you know decent fun if you don't want to be like super involved. If you don't want to be fucking armored core involved in the fucking game, right? Uh, let's see, and, and that that fit a niche, a niche for me. Uh, and then I went through and I beat Dave the Diver. I still haven't beat that. Is it is it pretty yeah. good? Uh, Dave the Diver is uh, it it is fairly you know fairly good. There is a point in uh, uh, there's a point in there that kind of like opens up a bit, and you're I don't know. Um, it, they want to do they wanted to do a few things with Dave the Diver, and you could tell uh, where they uh, uh, the game system changes from the normal like you go down and you spearfish uh, to you. Uh, to going through uh, and doing some basically like action scenes. I um, this has been a weird year for gaming. Honestly, the last couple two and a half years have been weird years for gaming, where I have a hard time getting something to stick. Yeah, and I go through a lot of stuff until something really sticks. And I find I've got some things that have stuck that I'll talk about here in a little bit, but um. Yeah, and just for one reason or another, I don't know what was going on at the time. It just didn't stick as hard as it did for, it seems like, the entire world. Well, Dave the Diver was one of those, It's it was controversial for, you know, in one of the, uh, uh, one of the awards for being, like, indie. indie. Um, and it's, you know, kind of, it was, it's, it's not got a bigger developer, in right? In the same way that, you know other games are indie you know it's backed by you know a major studio so yes yeah. it's, it's it's a little different it's a, a thing yeah it's still a small studio yeah but still um it's not indie in this in the sense that it's not grassroots indie you know where it's this you know this you know, a couple dudes built it in a fucking garage or something like that you know that's the kind of indie uh, that I'm expecting. Um, these faux indie situations where a small studio is sponsored by a bigger studio to, you know, to get things, you know, rolling is not necessarily as indie as I would think. But then again, <clears throat> but then again, Star Citizen, a Star Citizen could be considered indie in, in, in some ways or in forms, right? Right. It's just a bunch of you know, developers that get a lot of you know, a, a, a lot of, a, lo a lot of, a lot of money <laughs> from people who don't expect to play a video game. I don't know. I think they're still using it as a front to fucking like, you know, s sell shit that's not video game. But that's just me. Star Citizen will never actually exit Alpha. If I have to, if, if I had a, uh, <laughs> if I had a prediction, it'll just stay in Alpha forever. Um, anywho, uh, my tinfoil hat aside, I will, uh, say that I have been playing a game that, uh, kind of snuck up on most of, um, you know, most everybody because I heard about it once and then 
there was almost no hype cycle at all. Uh, and then all of a sudden it explodes on the scene. Um, uh, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Uh, that that game. Yeah. That game yeah. is apparently uh, good. It it shows it shows up in the middle of uh middle of a uh a game drought for me because like I'm I just beat Dave the Diver and I'm not really necessarily looking for you know anything. I don't want to go back to an MMO right now. Um so it's like I need something to play. Uh this shows up and I'm like, oh it's Ubi. No, it's fucking Ubisoft. You know it's it, it I just have this feeling i just have this feeling i don't i'm well known for not liking ubi games um but i said you know what it looks different enough i'll give it a try uh and i can tell you that right at the beginning of the game i mean at the very beginning of the game it's bland like the first 30 minutes is like the you know, first 15, 20 minutes is just kind of bland. This is the only thing that you, uh, the only thing that you see is the inside of a fucking, uh, you know, human facility for the longer, you know, for the first, you know, few minutes. And it's all gray. It's all blah, you know, uh, but you do eventually escape. And the first moment you escape and you walk into the jungle and you see all the colors. Uh, and you can see what the game is actually like wants you to see like the the stark contrast between the worlds um yeah that was that was a good moment like it was it's one of those moments that they keep yeah they keep trying to like follow and you know try their best to like get a uh you know get that same feeling from uh, from going to each of the different biomes you you just have this 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 uh this exploration you know high you get from going from point a to point b um and they did a really great job of that that was you know that was one of those things where i'm, I'm looking at the you know just playing through the game and doing you know, ran the random quests, and I'm like, this is intelligently done. This, you know, in a world, you know, in the jungle-ish, you know, area where everything looks random, you're, you know, you're going to a spot, and it will intelligently point you in the right direction, and you feel like you know where you're going, or the you you have the good uh, you have a feel, a good feeling that you're going in the right direction without having a on screen like waypoint always pointing that way. You can remember, kind of explore your way through the uh, through the environment. So how is it different from? So remember, Ghost of Tsushima had the grass would blow in a certain direction, and that's and that was a good way of doing things. Like there there is. There is still a, a button that you can press that gives you basically uh, like a, a, a Navi site or a um, like a pointer. You know, it, it's it's just like if you uh, it's just like the fucking um, Assassin's Creed games where you've got legal sight. Right. Right. 
you press that button, you get Eagle Sight, you can kind of see, you know, see your objectives. It's a little different in this and in, in the fact that you kind of have to focus and you can lose this ability, like temporarily lose the ability to focus because, um, I mean, you're connected to the world. And if you go and fucking like take a machine gun to a bunch of animals, you will, you'll, you'll end up losing the ability to connect with the world. Um, but, uh, you can use that and that will point you in the right direction. Like it'll, uh, it'll show like a, a, a blue ball of light in the, in the direction that you need to go, but it doesn't like, it's not incessant. It doesn't stay in the screen. You can look through it and look through, use that vision, kind of get, uh, you know, get the, your bearings and then you go in that direction. Right. All right. So it's, uh, it allows you to, uh, to kind of like navigate Pandora your own way. Uh, and that can feel pretty good. Like, you know, you're, you're running down a, uh, you're running down like a game path where there's a, uh, uh, a bunch of like animals that made a, a trail through the fucking uh, forest. And then you end up going up to one of the big roots that is part of Pandora and you, you can run along the top of the roots and on the top of those roots is a flower that grows. And if you run through that flower, it gives you a little bit of a speed boost. So it kind of like gives you this incentive to go along this path. Okay. So it's, uh, it's, it's different in, uh, it's different than most U uh, Ubisoft games. Um, in the fact that it's not like, okay. So if you think of, uh, Far Cry 5, Far Cry 5, if you went, you know, 30 seconds in a direction, you ended up having like, a bunch of things happen in front of you like it had to spawn things for you to do um for avatars of pandora or you know for the avatar game you can go in a direction and it doesn't spawn shit in front of you you kind of cure it in the distance instead of have it happen to you so if i go in a direction i could hear on the left, I can hear wildlife sounds, and I can identify those uh, the animals from the sounds that they make. After the you know after the first few times you run into things, you can like oh yeah, those are uh, you know those are viper wolves. I should stay away from them because they're aggro. And then off to the right, I can hear the sound of like machine guns going off, and. I know that that is probably the humans over there with a a wildlife trap and they're terrorizing some fucking, you know, wildlife that I need to save. You know, it's it's different in in how you discover the world because it wants you to kind of like plop yourself into the world and just like feel out how 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 things work. So, at its heart, it is an Ubisoft game. So, you know, you will have these subtle hints that, you know, it's like Far Cry. Um, because there are human installations. You clear out the human installation. 
and then Pandora takes over and reclaims that area, right? Right. There's uh, pollution that's around all of those installations, and if you clear out the installation, the pollution goes away. You know, that's very Ubi. Like, that's that's very much like a outpost in Far Cry or uh, or a tower in fucking you know, Assassin's Creed or any of that shit, right? Uh, and that is pretty much the only Ubi thing I can, you know, you know, thing that, you know, that grabs me is that that is the only thing that feels directly Ubisoft. Everything else has been very interesting. Like the, um, uh, the character interactions uh, are, you know, are, you know, are very good. Um, they lean heavily into the Avatar movies, and they even got the uh, the the guy that did the 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 Navi language. Uh, they got that guy to actually help do some of the voice lines, so that all the the words that are being used in the game are, you know, correct. You know, for you know, for the Navi. I guess that's that's a thing. It's been a minute since I watched the movie, so uh and I haven't watched the most recent one, The Way of Water, but they do actually reference um they do reference the uh the first movie in this game. So it's not like a movie tie-in. This is a completely different region, right? Um so they talk about like the Hallelujah Mountains and the Battle of the Hallelujah Mountains, and that was all that was all done in the first movie. So this is after the first movie, and I think around the same time as The Way of Water, uh, but I'm not a hundred percent because I haven't watched that movie. Um, but it's it is a uh, a completely different story, uh, which is good. Like, I mean, they needed to not recreate story beats from the movie right right the only experience that you have with avatars like the human driven navis are the the fact that you know you you know you when you start the game you realize that you are a natural born navi taken from your clan and being raised by humans uh to like learn the human ways there was a you know a different version of the outreach program instead of using uh avatars to infiltrate they were just stealing navi children and you know training them to be humans basically um and so the whole idea behind you know the avatars is that you run into a uh, a small subset of those human driven navi avatars that are teaching you and then eventually they take your side and try to save you from the humans. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, I am enjoying the fuck out of it because it's, if you've ever played Far Cry Primal and, you know, had the, uh, the bow and arrow experience, um, that's kind of, it, it's scratching that itch. Uh, and it's always nice to have 
an option where you're not like looking for the sniper rifle or the assault rifle. It's like sometimes just going back to bow and arrow makes a, you know, uh, makes the game a little bit more tactical. You can't just run in and run and gun because they will fuck you up if you if they see you. So you're playing a little more stealthy, but you do have hard hitting you know abilities. Like you can pull out a spear thrower and fucking throw a goddamn tree trunk through a person if you want to. You know, you know, Navi are like twice as tall as humans. <laughs> so right, uh, a, a spear is like throwing a fucking pointed tree at somebody. Um. That sense of scale is actually done very well in this game. Like, your character can't walk through human doors without crouching. You know, when you're talking to humans, like, if it's going into a a dialogue sequence and you're talking to humans, your character has to, like, slowly crouch to be able to be at their level. You know? And then, like, when you go to, like, you know, knock people out like you can knock out a you know you can kill a person with a punch <laughs> you can kill did, humans with a punch did you like it overall um have you beaten it? i'm only about halfway through the game if i had to guess uh and it surprised me i thought for sure that it would be not a game that i'd like um just because i don't necessarily like ubisoft games um but i i I would say that if you are kind of on the fence about it you like the avatar movies uh if you like the avatar movies it's a no-brainer i don't like the avatar Um, movies the uh but if you're looking for something that kind of gives you a better insight than the movies like there's way more about the world in this game than there is in the movies. Um, it will give you a better insight as to what the situation is. So, would I recommend it? Yeah, I mean, if you're uh, if you're jonesing for something you know that's Ubisoft but a little bit different, this this is it. If they wanted if you if you wanted Ubisoft to actually break their their normal gaming mold this is probably the most non ubisoft ubisoft game that they've made in a while that's a good that's a good recommend so it's at least you got to game a little bit like after you started feeling a little bit better yeah it i mean after after all of the uh after all that shit that i went through this uh this was you know kind of a breath of fresh air um you know, it's because it's just, it's different than most of the games that I've been playing this year. And, uh, and I like the, the way that they, you know, emphasize the different perspective of the characters in this, you know, in this game. So it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, it's, it's worth a try if you were, uh, uh, if you were at, at all curious about the games. And like I said, if you were, a fan of the movies or uh or really liked the idea of being a navi go for it cuz i mean it basically puts puts you in their uh in their feet they don't have shoes so i don't know they're th- they're three-toed feet fuck i don't know 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm done. Well, what have you played? <laughs> well, I'm uh, halfway through Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All right. Oh yeah, you did get that uh uh that switch, didn't you? Um I did. Yeah, got so not talked about not talked about this on the show yet. Um wife and I got um super lucky and she found a um switch OLED at one of one of these uh discount bin stores that she that she frequents. Um but it didn't have the dock or the joy cons or the power supply with it right oh well those are so those are easy to get so she she got it for a hundred bucks oh i already i already have a couple sets of joy cons etc right um i just needed so basically the plan became all right well we get this for a hundred bucks i get the oled and then the original switch will go go to the kids, and all we gotta do is buy a second power supply and a and another carrying case. Um, because I can live without the OLED dock. Like I don't need it. Um, and do that. So yeah, we got that. Um, and in the buying and every everything um got the uh uh, should let me go ahead get tears of the kingdom because she knew i've been itching to play it um and i will say being halfway through it you know a lot of people's criticism of the game being like um breath of the wild plus i mean somewhat kind of accurate to the extent that Majora's mask was a quote DLC to, to, um, um, Ocarina of time, which a lot of people tried to say when that came out originally, um, it has some of the same story beats, you know, of course the shrines are all still there. Um, you know, you still have the, have the watchtowers, um, they changed up the mechanic for those a little bit, but it's still basically the same thing. Um, lots more to play through though, because now not only do you have her rule itself, um, but you have, um, these sky islands, um, which serve as like a second world, uh, but you, and they can all be accessed. Different islands can all be accessed via the, via the watchtowers that expand your map. Um, but there is also now, um, an underworld to Hyrule. Um, that you have to explore as well. Um, of which I spent way too long today just running around exploring in, which is tough because it's actually completely black. 
um, it's completely dark. So the way the mechanics for the underworld work is you have to go around and um, basically unlock watchtowers underground that light up certain sections of the of the underworld map. Um, but then also, of course, they give you a plant that you can use to attach to arrows and shoot or throw um, to uh, light up a very limited area worth of the Underdark. Um, so that that's all pretty cool. I mean, it it is a real... It's a lot bigger than than Breath of the Wild was. Um, and, I mean, like I said, I'm about halfway through the main story, uh, but I can tell you I still have a lot to go in that game. I'm maybe... Um, maybe a third of the way through... Um, if you count all the side stuff, somewhere between a quarter and a third of the way through. Yeah. Um, and that's having the game for two weeks and basically playing it for a couple hours when I get home from work, playing it while I'm at on lunch. Basically playing it for the most part the whole weekend, the last two weekends. Um, so I already have quite a lot of hours in the game. And I will say, um, you know, if you if you don't have a switch already or or your original switch is broke, hmm. I w- will say the OLED screen is worth it. Uh, um, it's it's so it funny that you hell of a lot better. It's so funny that you got that game because I'll explain more in a minute, but I went over to get a massage as part of payment for um, some photos I took. Fuck, and man, uh, I want to get uh, paid with massages. <laughs> yeah, I got paid a hundred bucks plus I got a massage. Oh fuck, man! Um, I'm in the wrong business. Yeah, I was taking pictures of a pirate band. Uh, you guys are both pretty familiar with Ailstorm. Yes, and yeah. I have a friend of mine called Jack Catch and the Bilge Rat Bastards. It's a six-piece <laughs> pirate band. Nice. And uh got a lot of it's it's a little bit more metal slash punk than Ailstorm, but think just Ailstorm with a little bit more edge and a lot of really seventies lead. Okay. Um and some vocals kinda like dropkick Murphy's, but a female and then a clean vocalist, a clean female vocalist, and they sing a bunch of drinking songs. Just like Ailstorm. Nice. It's like Elstorm with different music, but similar themes. But anyways, I took a bunch of pictures of them, and then the payment for that was uh, um, a back massage because the person who owns the rights to the band is a professional masseuse. Um, she's massage. She works for it's called Brady Theater up here, so she is on retainer for them. So she gets free concert tickets a lot um, for her and her husband. And uh, so, like, she's massaged, like, Rob Zombie and Zach Wilde and Trent Reznor. And, like, she's got all sorts of, like, crazy pictures in her house with her, like, rock star clients that she's massaged before they went on the show. Or, you know, they before they got – right after they got done with the show. Right. But, but she charges good money. She's, like, a professional. And, like, when I got there, 
at, for payment, right, this week. She's like, how naked do you want to get? And I was like, I know you too well to be fully naked, so you're just going to get me without a shirt. I'm going to keep my socks on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but she's you know she's got bread maker's hands so which is exactly what you want in a masseuse and she's fucking killer like i'm gonna pay her next month to get it again because it she stretched the fuck out of my back damn um damn but yeah i had a i had a wild two weeks yeah you did uh but real quick i'm sorry 42 hours Nope, that's a fair amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, our game of the year this year is going to be weird, as we have all played different games, mostly. we got a couple of games coming, but this is how Cookie crumbles. But yeah, uh, I... Uh, go ahead. I'm looking at uh, the uh, the album, <laughs> Any Port in a Storm. It's a good album. It's pretty well mixed. So you should check them out. Um, they just got back together after being not together for a long time. Okay. Very much worth a listen. Um, does not sound like a local band. Like they're all really talented people. Um, it's a side project. There's a, so a long time ago I played in a punk band called Adeline and the guy's wife, Carrie played and still plays off and on in a punk band called Spank. It's an all-female punk band. They've been around for 25 years at this point. And uh, we used to play with them kind of regularly about 15 or so years ago, um, back when I was playing a little bit more regularly. And now it's kind of like a, you know, once a year concert thing because her and the girls like playing, right? Then her husband is in like three bands, but they really like the pirate idea. So uh, they're a fun group. They're like, we're going to form a pirate band. And so they started a pirate band and most of the original members are gone. So they started with new members and they've got a couple of original, but the people, the person that writes all the music's the front woman, Carrie. So, um, yeah, they're, they're really tight. <laughs> like they're, they're really good. And I took some really funny pictures of them. Um, my favorite, which is not necessarily, it's one of their favorites is, uh, I told Eric who plays guitar in the band to uh, fuck a goat. They have a goat mascot. So I've got a bunch of pictures of him, like fake fucking a goat, and everybody making crazy faces while he's like sodomizing a goat. Um, <laughs> I gave wow. them some amazing promos. Let's, let me just say, <laughs> um, they're almost all fun. But yeah, that was my payment. It was like I normally would charge about two hundred bucks for promo, and uh, I was going to do it for free, and they gave me a hundred bucks plus a massage from Carrie who normally charges about a hundred bucks. So I was like, you know what? It's a pretty good deal. But, uh, yeah, I did that. Um, I did promo. It's, sh- what's that? It's, it's funny because you say that and I was, and I just pulled up the, uh, any port in the storm, uh, you know, discover and the goats right front center. Oh uh, yeah. They're the goats part of the theme. Yeah. They still okay. had the goat. Nice. But yeah, I took pictures of them. Um, I took, I finished project for another band called Terror in the Hidden City, which is a local emo band. Um, I got started on a project for Trent and John Super Secret, like a lo-fi project. So I did a bunch of, I took some album art, a little bit of album art pictures here, and then I flipped around and, um, I'll just say it. So I've been talking to a friend of mine for 
Well, I've been friends with this gal since I was like 19. And out of the blue, we decided we wanted to start dating. So I've started dating this gal named Jennifer. Um, but nice. she doesn't live here. So we went on a date out in Tennessee, which is why I was gone for a weekend, just to mm -hmm. see how that would go. But yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's not Facebook official. It's uh, internet official. I'm dating a gal <laughs> named Jennifer. And okay. uh, that works out quite well. But yeah, we... Uh, um, without digging into anything too personal, like we, we like a lot of the same thing. She's not a gamer like me, but she is a music freak like me and travels for concerts. In fact, we've traveled for concerts together in the past. Nice. Um, but I did a lot of record store shopping while I was up in Nashville. Um, went to Jack White's, uh, record store. Okay. Um, got a t-shirt from there. It was called Iron, not Iron Man Records, Iron something. Anyways, um, pretty cool record store. Um, the whole bunch of hobos across the street, like it was a hobo camp with like 20 or 40 people. Oop, I don't know. So we kind of decided to GTFO out of there as soon as we got done. Right. Um, it's like, I'm driving. We're getting the hell out of here. We're going to go to a different record store. But we went to like, there's these record stores called McKay's up in that region of the country. And they're not, it's like vintage stock. It's for us here, but it's a store that sells video games, like retro and modern console stuff, right? Sells toys, sells books, sells records, sells, you know, CDs and tapes, right? Um, and it's about a quarter the size of a Walmart and it's two stories. Yeah. It's ginormous. Um so we went there, but I didn't really, f I found some things that I wanted, but they were too expensive. So I didn't really want to spend $80 for an LP. Recently got into records, thanks to John Musum, um, for the people that are in the little circle of all these podcasts that kind of spin together. So, you know, you got the TVGP crew, and then you've got the uh, For the Love of Game or not For the Love of Gaming, um, Pupcast, Picking Up the Pixels that John's on. And if you remember the carousel Mm -hmm. He's from that, but I know him really well. He's one of my best friends. And I was listening to and nerd out on music a little bit for a second. Um, he was playing Massive Attack, um, which I really like Massive Attack. Um, he was playing the album Mezzanine while I was over there um, a few weeks ago. In fact, it was, uh, when was that that we went over there? That was, oh, that was the night before I left, wasn't it, Jason? Yeah. Yeah, we were you were over there with me and, and Dave. He was playing yep. that when I walked in and I was like, Is that Massive Attack? And I was like he was like, Yeah. I was like, it sounds a little different. He's like, It's cause it's a record. It's like, hmm. Uh, <laughs> hmm. And, and, that sounds really good. And the the sound he was the sound was accompanied by a lot of patchouli. No patchouli. Uh, it <laughs> it it made it just Tickled some. I haven't listened to Hi-Fi Stereo in a while. It's like he doesn't have the best speakers, but John's an audiophile, so I know if they're good enough for him, they'd be good enough for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, they're probably at least reference bookshelves. Like, that's just John. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's like, this not sounds... saying that John actually, like, likes patchouli. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he kind of... He would have fit real well into the 70s. Like, both me and him are were werewolves, right? Like, we're both hairy men. But it's just he's mm -hmm. got darker hair than me, so if he, like, opens up his shirt, like, he sprouts... Um, he's definitely okay. a werewolf, but, um, <laughs> he, he had played a record for me 
last month too when I'd went over there outside of our little thing and I was like, man, that just sounds so good. I can't even remember what it was, but, uh, Carpenter Brood or something like that. But anyways, I was just, I was just kind of astounded. I was like, I haven't heard hi-fi audio in a while. I've been listening to MP3s for too long, you know, and, uh, even CDs, I can definitely tell a difference in the high and low end. And especially now that my hearing's back, like I mentioned my hearing, it's gone like for I went to like four shows in November and for all except for the last show, my ear, my left ear was like fucking stuffed up. Yeah. And, uh, so anywho, um, I'd been talking about records and Jennifer sent me and I like a lot of metal. So she sent me an Opeth record again. I didn't even know she happened to pick one of my favorite ones and sent it to me. She's like, I hope you have something to play this on. And it was was like early Merry Christmas. Right. And uh, it's like a limited edition. It's uh, called My Arms, Your Hearse. It's a, a 90s progressive death metal album. And I love that album. But it's on a blue vinyl. It looks fucking fantastic. And it was remastered. And I was like, okay, I'm digging this. And then John played Mezzanine for me on vinyl. And it's my favorite Massive Attack album. Probably one of my top 10 albums of all time. And uh, and then I was going to Nashville, and she's like, we need to go record store shopping, right? So back to the original story, went to McKay's, went to this Jack White's record store. We ended up at this store called The Groove, and it was in an old house, like on the edge of a neighborhood, right before it hit commercial district. So we had to park on the street in a neighborhood. And uh, we went in there, and the whole thing was like metal and punk records, all brand new. I was like, we hit the jackpot. She's like, I, no kidding. And she's a music thing like me. So she went, she buys a lot of CDs. So we were in there for like, I don't know, an hour plus or something. And she was thumbing through CDs looking for stuff that she wanted. And she's got a more varied taste than me. I think she found like some public enemy and something else that she really liked too. But um, I was looking through the records and I got, again, some of this stuff's probably well known, some of it's not. But Radiohead, I got OK Computer. Um, I got. Um, Kid A, in, in my mind, those are the two best Radiohead albums of all time. Some of my favorite albums of all time. Um, I got Between the Buried and Me, Colors. Um, I got The Dillinger Escape Plan. Um, which album did I get? Uh, it doesn't matter. Almost nobody's going to know what that is. Um, I got Carcass, Surgical Steel, which is a breakthrough death metal album from the 90s that changed kind of everything. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, and I got Meshuggah Chaos Fear, which is like another album that was like 20 years ahead of its time, which was also a reissue remaster. And then I should have gotten the Opeth, another Opeth record while I was up there because I haven't been able to find one since. But I had a pretty decent haul. And then uh, again, had a really good weekend with her. Uh, there was a tornado that hit 20 miles north of us the day that I got there, which really sucked. Oof. Um. And that almost kind of, I'm glad nothing happened with us. But it was really weird. Like on my trip up there, my Steam Deck got a lot of play. I was, everything out of Tulsa ends up in Dallas, Atlanta, or Chicago before it goes anywhere else because we're a small city. So it means you spend, it's not really a layover. It's just Dallas is huge and you got to haul ass to the next gate, right? So even if it says 45 minutes, it's barely enough time to get to your next destination. Oh, yeah. And so take the sky bridge or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And so like left here at like, I left my house at three 45 in the morning, 
Shouldn't have left so early because I got through the gate for security in five minutes, and then Tulsa only has two terminals. Um, that, and it, that early in the morning, yeah. It's only 10 minutes tops if I'm slow right. walking from security, getting through security to my destination. Yeah. And then Dallas was huge, and then from there to Nashville. But, like, the total time, I like, I woke up at 3 in the morning, got up, got there, and then I didn't finish flying, doing things on planes till about 11.30. But I started playing Vampire Survivors on the flight to Nashville. And uh, the couple next to me was real stuffy and really boring. I made a point to get aisle seats so that I could get out as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And the guy that was right next to me... Um, saw me playing my Steam Deck. He's like, hey, I've, I've got a, I just got the OLED Steam Deck. And so we started talking. I was playing Vampire Survivor. So he's trying to figure out where I was at. So I ended up talking to the guy across from me the whole time while I was playing Vampire Survivors. Um, and on that flight, there was <laughs> kids crying and a dog barking the whole time. Oh, my God. So like initially, I'd plugged in my headphones. I'm just like, I'm going to drown all of this out. And uh, just, you know, ended up talking to a guy. But played a lot of Vampire Survivors. I don't know why I always just default to that game, but I do on my Steam Deck. It's just, it lives on my Steam Deck. And then yeah. uh, I didn't play much Steam Deck while I was there because I spent a lot of time with this gal and I didn't have any interest in my Steam Deck or video games. And, right. But on the way back, I started playing Blasphemous. Um, that's a pretty good game. That's a really good, a really well done and really good looking Metroidvania. Nice. Um, if you haven't played Blasphemous, it's it's a blast. It it took a little bit of getting used to, but after I kind of got used to it, it's not it's hard, but not super hard. Like there was a boss that I was just on the plane. I was just like, you know, I'm part of that generation. It's just pure perseverance and grit, and you know, dug in. In about 25 minutes, I beat the boss after several tries until I just figured out what I was doing wrong. Um, but yeah, everything about that game is just gorgeous. The only thing I wish it would do is I wish your character would change their look more based on the types of things you're equipping. You you equip different things that adjust your stats and the moves that you get, and et cetera, but you don't really change your look that much. At least as early in the game as I am, you don't. Um, you don't lose that. You lose a portion of your experience when you die, but not all of it, which is nice. You use your XP to upgrade your sword abilities, basically, and your magic abilities. So, like, you you lose, like, 20% of your total souls, and they stay there, I think, forever, I think. I can't remember exactly okay. how it does that. It's not incredibly punishing. It seems like it would be more punishing, but it's not. And I've heard the, the Blasphemous 2 is, like, way harder than the first one, so I'm kind of glad I'm just playing through the first one off and on. But that's an old-ass game that I'm playing. Some two chicken shit to finish Alan Wake 2. Um... Just just being honest, I'm too chicken shit. Like, I I have a goal in mind to do it, but I just don't feel like I need to get through it, right? It hits so many different game awards. It hits so many different accolades. Like, I should play it, but I'm just, I'm not having fun, right? Huh. And it's not, yeah. I'm not a game that's good for talking on the phone. Like, the part about long distance dating that sucks is you can't just, like, sit there and shoot the shit with each other. You got to talk on the phone, right? Right. So I put in my Bluetooth earbuds, and for anything that's got a lot of story, like, that doesn't quite work. Um, so I need True. stuff that's story-like, gameplay-heavy, which means that for most of last, a big chunk of last month, I made it through 32 days of Seven Days to Die. I, I noticed you were playing Seven Days to Die. <laughs> no mods. 
that game's so solid right now. Um, and that's that's my favorite game of ten years ago. Right now, again, <laughs> it it changed it up. I was telling Jason. So what it's changed up. You might not like this part of it, Rusty. Okay. You you have to explore to level up. Oh fuck this shit! I'm done. You don't level up like Skyrim. You don't level up by doing or like Oblivion, right? You don't level up by jumping. I mean, you do a little bit, but not much. You unlock your skills by finding books, and you don't find those books unless you go explore. You uh, unlock experience points by just doing things, right? Like you get experience points for digging, mining, killing zombies, crafting, or whatever, right? Upgrading. Like you get a lot of experience points for upgrading structures, but you don't, you don't, you use that to unlock the different tiers of things that you can unlock, and you unlock different skills based on the books that you find. So you won't progress if you don't go out exploring. And so the loop's different. So the loop used to be <clears throat> hurry up and find a structure that you can survive in. And like board it the fuck up, right? And right. kind of rebuild it the first couple of days and then start questing or doing whatever. You won't last if you do it that way this time. So the better thing to do now is do your opening quest. You get a handful of skill points and then book it to the nearest trader and start doing quests for him. Find a structure around you that you can knock out the stairs so that zombies can't jump up. And in my case, I found a, a, a uh, separated garage. And what I do to the garage is um, I created a ladder that was three blocks up so the zombies couldn't get up there. And then just basically built, uh, refinished the attic in this um, garage, even to the point of like redoing the roof so I had more room. But I that's what I do at night is like refinish the roof and nothing could get up there because it already had a ledge so the spider zombies couldn't crawl. But they got new different types of zombies now, which is weird. These weird mutant things that crawl around on all fours that are pretty crazy and they take a yeah. lot of shots to kill. Nice. Um, but basically, like, you can just go up there and craft at night and then you go out and do quests during the day. And as you're doing quests, you're looting new structures, right? And they give you rewards for clearing a whole tier of quests. So, like, after you clear level one tier of quests, like, one of the automatic rewards is a bicycle. And that's a big deal because it gives you a lot more range on your character. Now you can do things in like a, you know, a couple square mile radius every day now instead of like, you know, three blocks to half a mile. Right. But uh, like unlocking all your recipes and stuff for food is all done through skill books. So you just you end up going through all these POIs and all the POIs now are just basically mini dungeons and they're really well done. Um. But you kind of pick a path of what you want to do. I decided to use spears, which is kind of weird for me, and rifles. And then I usually keep a shotgun on me. I've, for whatever reason, I've been leveling up shotgun, even though it's in a different tree. Huh. But you do that. And then when it comes close to horde night, you build a horde base. So I built a horde base, which was basically just a, a uh, set of stairs up to a long walkway that led to a reinforced little hallway that I stand behind that's got a little like bar in front like bars in front of it so I can stab through the bars and uh, a little hatch that I can open so I can stab through the window essentially to the zombies that are coming up to me and then um, I've got it reinforced right now to a concrete level so and it's been working just fine um, I get some crazy shit like cops, but they all want to walk up the bridge and walk on a single file line. And then my rifle now penetrates like six zombies at a time. So I just <laughs> line up all their heads and single shot and it just. <laughs> um, 
so Horde Knights, yeah, and you don't get any XP from using the spikes, so just killing shit, it was working better, and I saved most of my ammo for Horde Knight. Um, and sometimes I use different stuff, right? Like, you know, was running low on shotgun and rifle ammo, so I used, uh, like, pistols for a little while, or used my bow. I get a little bit of overdraw with the bow I got right now. You add mods to everything, which is awesome. Um, it just, it's fun. It's generally, I play that game forever. So, but at a certain point, I was like, I got to play something different. Um, why, but I kind of miss the old style. I'm sure there's a mod for that. I mean, you could just put it to that level, that whatever that was, and you could do that. Well, you know, I'm talking, you know, builds from fucking like years ago, almost eight years ago now. Yeah, when we were playing that <laughs> like crazy. Well, when we did the uh, 24 hour stream, I mean, I had a shit ton of fun doing, you know, you know, being the uh, <laughs> the camp mom. <laughs> you could, you could, a better term, camp dad. You, you know? could, you could still do that. It's just you would need to go out raiding with everybody else. But that the raiding's actually fun. Like the the spear does good damage. They have really good. Uh, gotcha moments like just where stuff starts breaking out of doors or falling from the ceiling or like traps are going like they have all sorts of like weird fire traps going on now like the level design is pretty crazy in these little houses they like these pois that they've set up i don't know there's probably a thousand different little mini dungeons they've set up in the world now well that's good um there's just there's so much to do and the gameplay loops just fun like it's it's good um but yeah, so I played a little bit of Seven Days to Die, um, Blasphemous, I covered that. Oh, so I was looking for open world game, and I found mm -hmm. um, basically a mod pack with, uh, what is the name of that? What's the weird chaos god in Skyrim lore? In, in a... Oh, the one of the Daedric uh, princes? Um... What's the chaotic one called? Oh, fuck. Uh, I let's start with a W. Uh, who's the cheese lord? Who's the cheese cheesemonger? Uh, God, is it Sheogorath? <clears throat> okay, <laughs> some, some, for some reason, I well, there's feel a like that's you know, anyways, I don't know, man. It's been a long time since I played Skyrim. Maybe I should do that. That was, I think you're thinking Chaos Gods, which were different than the Prince. Well, anyways, there's this, Prince's. there's a mod installer that a guy makes for Skyrim and Fallout that will install a whole bunch of mods for you automatically. Uh -huh. You just log into your Nexus account and you log into it through there and then it auto installs everything for you. Now, it took me a while to get it working. So there's about an hour's worth of prep time of me doing research and figuring out what I was doing wrong. But a lot of it is totally my fault. And you're going to laugh at me. Everybody should laugh at me for this. So for, in one, one, for one reason or another, at some point, I uninstalled WinZip, right? Or WinRAR or any kind of other RAR extractor, right? And the file I was using that was the mod list loader was in a RAR format. And because it didn't have the icon, I thought I just had to change the name of it to that other oh, thing <laughs> instead of it being a dot RAR. And it just uh, didn't click with me forever. So for about 30 minutes, I was sitting here thinking, what the fuck is a RAR file? 
<laughs> and and I finally figured it out. I kicked myself several times and slapped myself oh, in the yeah. face and installed well, it was WinZip or something, you know, whatever just, one of those. Just install 7-Zip and you'll be fine forever. It was 7-Zip. That's what I installed. So I did 7-Zip <laughs> because I like the interface because it's really minimal, right? Right. And uh, I finally extracted. And then after that, it took about an hour. It installed 92 gigs worth of mods for Fallout 4. Um, God damn, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, it runs on about 20 gigs of RAM. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy fuck, does it look good, though? <laughs> um, all the I textures. would have to install more RAM just to use all those mods. Wow. Yeah. It, uh, so I'm running 104 mods on Fallout 4. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So started playing that. Um, I started a survival mode game, and then it just was too tedious for me to talk to her on the phone and do that because every time you sleep is when you save and it's cool but i realized i like just fucking around a little bit more in that game because the quest system on that is also super open right you talk to a guy and then you just kind of do your own thing for a while um that's what i did i just went and explored points of interest and kind of worked my way around i still haven't gotten i just got to diamond city um still haven't met valentine i picked up the reporter chick um, but yeah, like it just, it looks pretty damn close to a current gen game with all the mods. Like it does look really good and they do some crazy things with lighting. So I did install a, a mod. One of the mods is like a darker night mod, you know, and, uh, some of the guns I have have their own flashlights instead of the pit boy flashlight. And you can change the color of the pit boy in the menu, but when you run it with the uh, flashlights and the gun. So I'm wearing, I'm using a pistol build. And so I've got like a, uh, just like a, a, a 1911 I've been using a lot. Like you find some like old style guns in this mod and it's got a flat, a flashlight attachment. Um, and it does some cool things like with, you can convert different types of ammo to some of this other ammo and there's different characteristics, right? Like you can get hollow point ammo, you can get armor piercing ammo, you can get basic full metal jacket ammo and you can convert it based on the closest ammo type. So the, all the weird, the 45 stuff all converts from 10 millimeter. You can use a certain amount of 10 millimeter at a chemistry bench to convert it to the, to the 45 ammo, which is pretty neat. But, uh, yeah, it gave me a fuckload of pistols and like, you've got all these different sites you can put on them, right? All these different hollow sites that add a few extra stats to it, but also look like a really good looking hollow site. Um, I've got a full auto Glock I just found, and then it levels the loot list based on what level you are and what level traders are and what level the creatures are that you're fighting. It makes it harder because, you know, you might run into a creature that has an, uh, you know, a raider that has a fucking Uzi on them. Um, but yeah, like modded Fallout 4 is pretty fucking great. Oh, I forgot how much I like that game. Um, I, I decided I was going to do fallout new vegas and then i'm just looking at it it's like there's no way i can make this look modern enough to no it, fallout new vegas just needs to be like it's like 14 years old yeah it just needs to be it came out at the beginning of this podcast yeah it, it that has to be like a completely different um engine like that version of creation engine is so fucking old at this point like the lighting just yeah. sucks the textures you, you put 4k textures in it and everything the skeleton the bones still have really square edges <laughs> right uh like seven days now, to die modded seven days to die looks better than modded 
New Vegas, but for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like there's this like enhances some of the creatures too. Like I ran into some like mutant rad scorpions while I was playing this game. I was like, fuck me. These guys are fucking hard. Um, thank God I had like Uzis. So I just, you know, ran 300 I mean, rounds through them. That doesn't surprise me because, um, I mean, that same engine, they're still using it today. So it is granted you can't really upres all the models up all that much because there's a limit to what you can do without completely rebuilding them right i'll show you it when you come over on friday like it's decidedly looks much better and they there's dynamic lighting it's not ray tracing but one of the mods adds dynamic lighting to the game and just it looks freaking great but at nighttime it is fucking scary as shit honestly because it's as far as a flashlight right like from here, you know, from my back porch to the back fence is about as far as you can see. But you'll see muzzle flashes if, uh, you know, a sniper sees you. Right. Um, well. But it's just kind of crazy, like, just starting out. like, and, and you've got, like, different starts, too. Like, I decided to start on a bus. No, it wasn't a bus. It was in a church. So I started in a church basement. I woke up, and all of my lines are slightly different. So, And they're spoken, too, which I don't understand how they're doing that. But I'm not the vault dweller in that game. I'm looking for a kidnap victim. So it, it plays on that, but it's like a different twist. I discovered that, you know, that guy's ex-wife and kid were taken from the vault, but I'm not the guy that was in the vault. I'm just somebody that was in the world. Huh. So it com- okay. it's And you can completely skip the intro. So you just skip the intro. You make your character, and basically as soon as you walk out of the bathroom, it lets you skip the intro, and you pick special stats and then you pick what you were doing what kind of job you were doing you could pick your raider if you wanted to i didn't try that because i didn't want to role play raider because i think they're gross but um yeah you can completely do all that stuff but yeah it's wabajack that's the name of it wabajack is the name of the uh the mod installer but it connects yeah it connects to you, you load up load one file that loads a list of everything it needs to download connect it to your Nexus account and then click install after you load that file and it does everything for you. And then there's like three things you have to do after that. And it gives you the ultimate fallout four experience. And it's to me so far, it's a pretty, pretty awesome fallout four experience. Um, but anyhow, enough fallout four. Interesting. I, uh, I got a couple of other things to talk about and then I'll be done. Been, I've been raring for a podcast for a minute. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I tried um, Against the Storm hit 1.0, finally. Yeah. That game's still good. I think I put 10 hours into it in the last few days. I think I, I have to put, uh, I think I have to restart. Um, it makes you restart because okay. nothing's compatible anymore. Good. So it makes you start fresh. I recommend going through the tutorial levels just to kind of, that's what I did to refresh myself on what I was doing and how it works. It's still right. pretty hard, but it's just it's got a lot of unique twists, and it's a really good chill game, even though you're dealing with a lot of conflict, because it almost feels like you're doing quests, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but yeah, Against the Storm's also on Game Pass, by the way. So if you're a Game Pass subscriber, um, at least on PC for sure. Um, the other game that I played, that I've been playing a lot of, um, and just started it, and boy, oh boy, am I glad I did. Um, Rogue Trader. It's oh, yeah. uh 
it's Baldur's Gate in the Warhammer universe with a little bit less voice acting and not crazy good cinematics. It does the comic book like still frame cinematics from Alcat, yeah. which is uh, the guys that did the Pathfinder games. Did a really good job, though. Um, they do a good job of if you're not like I'm Warhammer lore adjacent. I understand some of it. Right. But not nerded out and into the books and all the things. So every time it says a Warhammer word, you've got you can highlight it, right? It'll be a highlighted word, right? Like what is an arbiter? What is the emperor? Like you can highlight it and see what context they're talking about. And then it gives flavor context to what the conversation's about. Um, your character can have all sorts of different lore stats that help give you better conversation op options. There's a lot of there's a lot of talking in this game. There's a lot of it that's fully voiced too. Um it does throw a lot of enemies at you, though. There's a lot of there's a lot of turn-based fighting in this game, like a little bit more than Baldur's Gate, to be honest with you. And they throw a lot of mobs at you. Some of the mobs are really tough, and then some of them are not so tough, but they do tough damage, right? So, like, I just finished a boss fight that had 24 people in it. Jesus. Um, but those 24 people, like, 12 of them were pretty squishy mobs that I could kill in a single turn. And the trick to that particular fight is I had to k kill certain characters that were manning a machine to keep my whole team from blowing up. So I had to kind of like rush, split my team in two and kind of rush each side. But it's the, you've got even different alignments, right? You've got iconoclast, so like somebody who wants to save the people or a man of the people, right? You've got, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but basically like dogmatic, I think is what they say. So you're following the rule of law, and then you've got heretical, which is kind of chaotic. And a lot of your choices kind of dictate where that alignment goes. And that unlocks different subclasses for your character, as well as different dialogue options and even different gear um, and skills based on what types of choices you make. So like it'll say this flak vest um, requires her heretical whatever, like three or something, right? And you have to have that alignment in order to wear it. And then your right. your band of characters also have different alignments as well. So as you're making choices, it kind of skews your relationships with the different characters. The writing's pretty fucking strong in this game. Like, I was really surprised. Um, and the combat is really chunky. Like, they did a really good job of making a bolter feel chunky. A lot of ranged combat, but a lot of melee combat. Like, I've got... Um, I've got a, a warrior, um, a human warrior that's got an affinity for chain swords and he's got a little pistol. He's got a little like bolter pistol with him, but he mostly is a chain sword dude. And he's got a lot of, like you unlock levels really fast. So it's not limited to 12 levels. So about every other fight you're leveling up basically. Um, nice. Or every other like big decision you're leveling up, so that you, you constantly get options on what you can choose, which adds abilities and then stat bonuses. <clears throat> and then things like you could pick that you're really good with bolters, or you're really good with plasma weapons, or whatever. So fuck ton of loot. You pick up everything from every dead guy ever. Um, <laughs> still haven't figured out how to manage all of that, but you have infinite inventory, so it doesn't matter. So you just pick up everything, and then you kind of sort through it and figure out what's good and what's not good. Um, and then just and equip then it on you, your characters. Like, then you trade it all off. Yeah. I've got an officer style character. So my character can give buffs to my teammates. So like one of them, one of the buffs I can like essentially put out fire on them if they're on fire. 
But another one that's super useful is a extra, it gives them an extra two action points, which usually means they can use a full ability. They can't move again, but I, at the, on every single turn, I can cast an ability that gives one of my teammates an extra turn. So I use it on my sniper. So I can yeah. get an extra snipe shot off like every turn and get an extra snipe shot off, which is great. Um, and then my character's got like a big heavy revolver pistol and a chain sword. And he never, almost never gets into melee combat. Most of what I do is just shoot my pistol and fire off orders to my characters and strengthen their resolve. But he's, it's actually super handy to have a commander in the, uh, in the unit. But, uh, like I've got a, he's not a Templar. What's, I can't remember what they're called. I've got like a Psyker, but he's got, what's the ones that have the arms in their back called? Oh, um, I, oh, the, uh, like a tech priest. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Tech priest. I've got a tech priest and it's cool because he can carry two, one, two, two handed weapons at the same time without switching arms. So he always has a two handed melee and a two handed, um, ranged weapon in his arms. <laughs> yeah. And when he does damage with a melee weapon, he sh shoots sparks in all directions all around him. So he always gets an area of attack, melee attack. He's not very heavily armored, but he's got a lot of dodge. And I've got a, a heavy bolter as his range weapon, which has automatic fire, which also does AOE. He just, he fucking rips, man. Um, and then I've got a psyker that shoots like chain lightning all over the place. And you can overuse the chain lightning to the point where it, raises chaos beast out of the chaos um which oh, geez. which gets pretty yeah. crazy um she'll start saying something about the voices in her head and then all of a sudden now you've like overused your abilities and now you've got like extra hard enemies to beat at the same time which is crazy um yeah it's good i've only put about 10 or 12 hours into it so far it's really good. like i'm gonna quit playing it tonight after we're done with the podcast <laughs> it's really good um, if you just got off of Baldur's Gate and you want something in a different setting, it's not as good as Baldur's Nothing's going to be as good as Baldur's Gate for years. So just put that off to the side. Mm -hmm. But it is one of those types of games. There's no weight limit on your inventory. Um, you do get to do ship-to-ship -ship combat at some point. I am currently working on upgrading my ship. I am the rogue trader. Um, it's badass. I like it. I wish I would. I don't think I'm going to finish it before I do Game of the Year. but it's probably one of those like 40 to 80 hour games, you know? Yeah. It's, it's badass. It's so cool. And, and just jibbing things, the bits is so satisfying. <laughs> um, like there's a whole it, point place where, you know, you can do the quests out of order. Like it gives you a series of quests when you start, right? I did a quest and one of the options I had was disguise myself as these cultists so I could get through and sabotage the room, which I did. And then I had a, my tech priest with me, which is able to pass, do the role to do the thing to sabotage and like chain lightning shot out from all angles and like just electrified and jibbed people all over the room. <laughs> and then I was done with that quest without ever having to do a fight, but we're all dressed in cultist clothes. It was, it's just, it's like, it's got that kind of charm. Um, the writing's really strong. Like I'm really surprised at how good the writing is. They needed to. That's excuse me. Uh, that's the thing with um, with uh, the 40k universe. It's just unfortunate, but like it's always been 
kind of mediocre in one way or another. There really hasn't been very, you know, very much uh, in the way of good games for uh, 40k. Um, with you know, with the exception of and, and Warhammer in particular, you know, with the exception of like Vermintide and you know and, and things like that, like there's diamonds in the rough. Uh, it seems like they're actually getting their shit together and not just like pumping out shit games. Or they're just not licensing to everybody. Well, yeah, that's that's a games warehouse thing. So I mean, games workshop uh, or games workshop, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they're, I mean, they were just wanting to get the the name out in front of people. I think is what the you know their idea was. The problem is, is that if you end up having a bunch of shit products that have your name on it, uh, yeah, you're start gonna you're gonna start getting. Uh, known as having ship products, <laughs> you know. Well, Dark Tide, um, Dark Tide's definitely doing better. I'd love to get in and see if there are Xenos at some point with you guys. Um, right, and and that's and that's just um, it was just a you know um, a question of you know when our schedules aligned for that. The um, but like where we're at right now is you've got Dark Tide, which is definitely on the good side of things right now. Oh yeah, you've got Rogue Trader, and then you've got the big tactical games right now that are all very good. There was that weird side scroller that is super it is the okayest mediocre game, and then there was a uh, really mediocre real RTS that came out recently too. So like we're about halfway on the releases this year of like good versus bad. Well, there's also I mean it's it's not coming out this year, um, but you know, on the horizon for uh, for Warhammer is uh, Space Marine Two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, that comes out in September. Yeah, and that game looks like you know what you want from a Space Marine game. Yeah. So I'm, I can't wait. I haven't played. I played the original one back in like 2012. That game was a wasn't even a diamond in the rough. Like I liked it better than Gears of War at the time. It felt like an even chunkier Gears of War. Like you would go up in the air and like dive bomb and just blood and guts would go all over the place. It was so satisfying. Right. It's did a really good job of making you feel like a badass space Marine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to see that, uh, that the Warhammer, uh, uh, 40 K franchise is actually getting a little bit more traction. And, uh, Coming out with some, you know, some quality games now. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can see more. I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of 40K, you know, it's tabletop, but there's also some, you know, uh, uh, some role play to it as well. I mean, not so much in the battle scenes, like if you go and play 40K battles, uh, but there is still the, you know, the possibility of having, you know some role play, so I think that the uh, uh, that rogue trader kind of you know fills a you know fills a neat little niche for uh, uh, 40k that you know could expand into uh, in, into some you know some interesting game titles. I yeah, they're already selling a I season pass for it. Really like you know. I don't like the whole grim dark thing because everything is shit in 40k. Like literally everything is shit. Um, that is the worst universe that you could ever fucking you know 
if you if there was a hell universe that that would be you know you get to live but you get to live in 40k universe fuck that you know <laughs> put me on the first string of hell because that shit is because <laughs> 40k is like it's it's rough man like just looking into the lore of it is like yeah you you live to die and that is it well i'm like ugh. think about you think most of it's grim dark just go go find go find do yourselves a favor go find your book go find the book and play one of the best ttrpgs out there dark heresy that's some grim dark fucking warhammer right there well yeah the dark heresy yeah oh yeah so yeah i i, I don't know i i i am kind of also lore adjacent for uh for 40k uh there was a period of time where i was bored um at work and i couldn't really focus on video games i really couldn't focus on anything and i just needed some background uh and there was a uh a youtuber that did like uh long form 40k like lore stories uh and he did it in you know a lot of detail like this guy knew his shit right but he would tell a you know tell the story of like this battle from you know from the start you know what caused it to what happened to the aftermath to all of the shit you know all of it you know right down to who was involved who died who lived what fucking everything right right you know that kind of shit somehow gripped me and i wa i watched like all of you know all of the content that he had these were like 40 minute move you know mini movies interesting shit because like it's way deeper than you think <laughs> so um yeah it's but none of it stuck like i could i couldn't tell you what any of that shit meant but it was very interesting it was like an entertaining you know to watch so i've always really kind of been you know interested in 40k but man i could never you know I was already spending too much money at ma on magic cards at the time the 40k was introduced to me. Well, do we want to take let's a break? Sure, let's take a break. All right, y'all. We will be back. back oh boy oh my oh dear one thing oh, yeah. i one thing i forgot to mention because i did mention i didn't have a turntable yet oh yeah um i do have a turntable now so dad gave me a turntable and a uh i forgot the brand already i can't believe i forgot the brand i'd have to go look at it oh. it doesn't matter it's, a, it's an old like retro turntable right and uh what was the brand of the amplifier i think it's a yamaha Anyways, I love Yamaha, right? But a uh, 280 watt amplifier to go with it, like vintage, vintage amplifier. Um, so I've got those two components. Now I just got to get speakers. And then I was talking to my 
second cousin, who's my dad's age, who apparently has like 15 pairs of speakers and he wants me to come over next week and uh, shop um, so he can get rid of some speakers. So I'm going to go buy some speakers from him that are vintage because that's kind of what I want. And I'll tell you why. So I went to dad's today to go get the uh, turntable and the amp. Mm -hmm. And I brought um, OK Computer with me by Radiohead. And I was talking to dad and he's like, he saw it and he's like, oh yeah, that was one of the few albums that used to play in your bedroom that didn't just drive me nuts. It's like, yeah, it's one of my favorite albums. He's like, well, let's put that bad boy on there and just see what the difference is. He's like, I remember it sounded pretty good and have a good separation. Let's just see what it sounds like on vinyl. So he popped it on, listened to the first three tracks of the album in his man cave. He's got mm -hmm. two sets of Sirwin Vegas and a couple of uh, Bang & Olsen little bookshelves sitting on top of them. Um, he's got an Onkyo um, turntable, and then he's playing it through a Mang & Olsen receiver, which is a pretty old legacy brand that still has incredibly it's, – it's a tube amplifier. And so we, okay. listened, we listened to that, that through there, and that was mastered at Abbey Road. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not being, like, total hipster about it. Like, I almost cried it sounds so good. Like, <laughs> I was like, the separation on this, the how crispy it sounds. Like, I was just like, this sounds incredible. He's like, this is a really well-mastered album. I was like, I know. And I feel like I'm listening to this album for the first time again, like ever. Um, so now I'm really <laughs> excited to, uh, I've got about 10 hours worth of music right now. I think that most people are okay with MP3, but there is a there's there's Wait. something to be said. Like there is once you digitize something, oh, it takes away a lot. Honestly, it's it takes sampled. away a lot. It's like, sampled. Even it's... Flack is like, I mean, Flack it's technically lossless, right? I mean, it's still sampled. It's still sampled, right? You still have a sample rate. You know, whereas there's just something about analog that you can't get back. Like that, that is something that is, there's, there's uniqueness there. Yeah. It's not just the warm, the warmness is just, there's a more, it's warmness is the wrong word. There's a fullness to that sound that you miss when you listen to something digital, especially on MP3. Like everything's dithered down now to like 96 KPS when it's streamed, right? And then 320 right. if you download it, which is still pretty good. And then I've listened to it on better speakers at 320, and I still notice the difference. But I'm so used to listening to it that it's that muddiness of just kind of washed over me, right? And right. I was listening to that on my car stereo on the way up, and then I listened to it on vinyl, and I was like, this sounds like a different record. Yeah. Like, it sounds like the guitar is playing in the room with me. Like, it's just so much. The cymbal sounds so much better. The bass just sounds so much more full. Full is the right sound because... It does. Sam think it's of sampling like this. It's it's like when you're looking at a digital picture, right? And you zoom in and you see all the pixels. And at a distance, those pixels make up a picture. And there's something not quite so sharp about that versus even an old photograph that's really sharp, right? An old photograph right. that's really sharp is not made out of little bitty squares. You're, yeah. You're looking down. At, I mean, there's color variation down to the atom on, you know, on something like that. Whereas there's going to be a limit as to what a digital picture can do. You know, I take some sharp ass photos, but 
I've taken some amazing photos on film that I wish I could find. But yeah. uh, anyways, like I, it just after not listening to a higher end stereo, he doesn't have the best, right? He's got a lot of vintage recone speakers um, and redone, you know, like repaired old hi-fi audio, like vintage hi-fi audio. And then hearing that versus the, you know, the two little satellites and sub that I got in the living room off my computer, it's just night and day. Mm. After you get used to it, and then you listen to something that's not just pop or electronic music that's already sampled, right? You listen to something that was made with instruments, and it just there's a big difference. Just yeah. floored me. I was just like, it made me slightly emotional. It's like you're a you look a little misty over there. I was like, I haven't heard this album this good ever. So, like, I bought a live album today when I was out record shopping because. I was like, I want to, I've heard this album, all, you know, 50 times, but I haven't heard it on vinyl and I haven't heard live on vinyl. I'd really like to experience that in my living room. And it, it does something to you where you're listening to full, you're listening to several songs at a time. You're not making just playlists. Like there is something nice to just listening to this, something in the order it was intended and then be forced to listen to f at least three songs at a time. Um, right. And these are all LPs, you know. Super heavy, like 180 gram records, you know. But anywho, um, <laughs> game awards happen. Baldur's, <laughs> yeah. Baldur's Gate won everything. Baldur's so, Gate won a lot. We already predetermined that nothing was going to beat it. And at the two weeks to the end of December, I'm still going to say there's nothing that beat it this year. So that's our game of the year. I think we can, we can safely assume that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I will say. Right, you got to be a contrarian. In the in a surprising turn of events, um, for for as close to the awards that it released, Alan Wake Two actually won a few in a few categories. I was kind of surprised by that a little bit. Best game direction, best narrative, and best art direction went to Alan Wake Two, and it deserves. I'm sure it deserves all of that. It's just not scratching the same itch that I need right now. I don't like scary. I just never like scary. I I like scary in a different way. I like foreboding. I like dark fantasy. It's just it's spooky as fuck. But I'm a pussy, and I know that. So the uh, you know, I'll just talk to my girlfriend while I play it, and then turn the audio way down or something. Who knows? I don't miss half the story. But uh, I go ahead. I don't know if uh, I follow along with the best ongoing here. Uh, Cyberpunk, you know, getting the best. No, ongoing. We don't. We don't have to talk. This is not our game of the year. Just, <laughs> just fuck them, right? The only thing they did right, get right with Baldur's Gate, with it, but we, they yeah, did get it's right. Mainly Baldur's Gate uh, and uh, you know, Alan Wake too, for the most part. They, yeah, you know, they came out. To me, the years. the way more interesting thing that came out of that was the uh, game release trailers. Like that's really the big reason that I watched that. Oh, for sure. I, yeah, I agree. And I'll be honest. One of my favorites was uh, shit. What was that? Um, something Wukong. I forget. Now, Black Myth Wukong. Yep. Yes, that looked neat. That looked fucking sick. Yeah, so that's on the list of things that I'm going to play. 
Um, yeah, it looked real good. Yeah, the, there was a lot of like cool releases, like the uh, Space Marine 2 getting the September 9th release date. Like that still looks great. Um, trying to think what was the, uh, the light, no fire, I think is another thing that came out that I think is stirring a lot of buzz because Sean Murray is doing the exact same thing he did with no man's sky with over promising before the things released. Like you would think that he would be like, I'm going to take a cautious approach. Nope. Just going to come right out. He, he even said that in his, in the like fucking, uh, in his fucking announcement for it. Is like, well, at the risk of repeating what I did last time, you shouldn't have done it. Here, X. I'm like, you, you are an idiot. You dumb <laughs> motherfucker. Just say, this is what we're doing. We'll see how it turns out. I hope you guys no. are excited for what we're doing. It's a different take on this. We're going to create a huge planet that everybody can explore. Which. You know, that's a, it's not if it releases without multiplayer, then it's basically trash. Um, it caught me at the fact that it was well, there were cat know, people. That's no. what caught you, I'm sure. There <laughs> was cat people. About? I'm not a furry, fuck you. Um, you do like cat no, people. Um, I do tend to play cat people if I'm uh, if I'm playing a fantasy, uh, fantasy game that doesn't Fine. make me a furry. Uh, that that ends with that starts with final, final fantasy, of course. Um, um, Light No Fire actually caught me, uh, you know, as like, hey, this this is kind of, you know, uh, kind of a neat idea. Instead of doing multiple worlds, make one big ass fucking world, right? Uh, and, you know, and then the the whole, you know, taking a fantasy element to it. Yeah, caught me at dragon riding. Like, if I can ride a dragon, I'm I'm going to play the game. That's just the way it is. I think um, it's, I think it's a, a neat idea, right? Make a whole planet, right? Procedurally generate a whole planet, and then doesn't matter how many millions of players are on that planet. If there's no hubs, right? I'm sure there'll be some hubs, but if you're just, if you think about it, let's just say there's, I don't know, let's say there's 10 million people on the planet. Well, there's almost 8 billion people on the planet, right? Right. That's thousands of times magnitude bigger than that. So like you could plop yourself anywhere and never run into another player for hours and hours and maybe the entire time you play the game. Right. Unless there's, you know, unless those dragons are really fast travel. Right. But you think just yeah. like, if you go an hour in any direction, I mean, there was only 10 million people on earth, you could go out, you could go 20 hours in a direction without seeing another person. Yeah. So they'll have to have a way of like getting over to people you want to play with. But it looks ambitious. Oh, I'm, sure. I'm really curious. This is a a cool new take on that technology. As long as it's not boring and it's fun. I I downloaded No Man's Sky. I was thinking about giving it a try this this you know holiday week when there's not a lot of shit going on at work. Like I'm in the best time of work, right? Like all the people save up their vacation for end of the year. That means for me, I'm saving my vacation for for Gal, right? Um, and I already get a little bit of time off for the holidays, so it's just cruise control the next two weeks while everybody else does their vacation, and I just maintain what I'm doing on the, you know, the the bones of everything. Right. So it'll be a chill two weeks, and then everybody will come back, and then it'll be chaotic again. So I feel like I'll have uh, no work I'm taking home with me, so to speak, um, the next two weeks for sure. Right. 
it'll be fairly similar for me too. Um, I'll be able to. <laughs> Everybody's going to go, and you're going to be on standby in case a fire starts. Basically, yeah. It's you know that that's just the the wonders of IT, and most of the time I can actually do that shit remote. So uh... <laughs> they they did mention that um, God of War Ragnarok has a free roguelike DLC coming out soon. Yeah, I noticed. That. I don't know if that come um, that just came out or not, but that's an interesting thing. I, I wasn't uh, ready for more God of War, so I didn't really mess with it. Um, yeah, I'm not. I don't. I'm not sure if I'm. I really want to like dive into it. I've got it on my, you know, my PlayStation. Of course, I would play it if or play more God of War if I wanted more of it but it's more of the uh, like you have to get used to the uh to the move set again and i think i've basically you know lost that muscle memory <laughs> so i'd have to play a little bit more of it just to you know to get good at it again <clears throat> yeah, did you see that uh new game from the ori people called no rest for the wicked uh you know yes i did it looks cool it's another metroidvania but, but less it's less cartoony it it's also uh i mean it looked like it had some top-down pieces to it so a little bit different than ori um you know we'll see it definitely the first look looked cool that's for i'm sure. i'm all for um i'm all for a uh, uh another another take from them because ori had me you know oh you played the, the hell out of it that, yeah just the way that game played it was super tight uh it was you know well made uh i could definitely you know get down with another uh another game from them even if it's something completely different um yeah um, that's that's something that I, uh, I saw a bit of and i'm re-watching the trailer right now and it yeah, I'm just afraid if I play the trailer that it'll come across the audio, so I'm not. Um, I know that Dredge and Dave the Diver got a collab that's supposed to be out this week. So that's interesting, since they're both boat games. So right. I'd be interested to see what that is. Maybe I need to, I've got all these, maybe I need to finish this kind of thing going on in my head. Um, But maybe I just need to focus on Rogue Trader for the most part. Um. Did you guys see that trailer for Exodus that looked kind of yes. Mass Effect? Yep. Oh, um, I did not. Uh, Exodus was, I, I saw the two ones that caught, you know, caught me off, you know, out of all those was uh, the um, Monster Hunter, uh, Monster Hunter Wilds. And the uh, Jurassic Park survival. <laughs> they finally did a Jurassic. It, it, I hope it's good, but they finally decided to make a Jurassic Park game that we're looking for, basically turning Dino Crisis into Jurassic Park, right? Um, and giving you a character that has to, uh, you know, basically in the trailer you have the clever girl moment, right? The right. Velociraptors opening the door and hiding behind the uh, the tables in the kitchen. Um, yeah. I'm all for that. That that would be survival horror that I could deal with because it's just dinosaurs. Like they're scary, but they're just dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> you could you could do that. Yeah. 
Um, I saw that Blade um, game, the Blade game from the Dishonored devs. I'm not sure about the art style, but we'll see what that what happens yeah. with that. We'll see what Arcane can do with it. Exodus was back to that. Definitely caught my attention, especially considering it's a archetype entertainment as a fairly new studio, um, headed up by James Olean, who was at Bioware and was the lead designer on the first two Baldur's Gate games, KOTOR, Jade Empire, and Neverwinter. So, um, I'm definitely interested to see how that, how that game ends up. I was, I'm not going to play it because I'm not going to be into that kind of horror, but the, uh, the weird movie slash video game thing that Kojima released with Jordan Peele, um, that's coming oh, to Xbox yeah. only. Um, I'm curious to be what it was. That's more of a Trent thing than a me thing. The only thing that I really liked from that was just the weird, super low aperture shots they were doing on people's faces. And it gave me an idea for doing a faces of horror art project for my photos. Oh yeah. The, Oh, it was, yeah, the that 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 look. I don't know. I'm getting. I'm actually pulling up a, a a video of it right now. But yeah, that that look in a black background. Yeah, where you're just basically focusing on everything that's face. like two inches from the nose. Right. But honestly, more than anything, space uh, space marine and no rest for the wicked were the two things that I was most excited about. Um, out of all of that, I hope the uh, I hope both of those turn out. Yeah, sp- uh, you know, uh, you're, you know, Skull and Bones are is actually coming out next, like next year, like for reals. Me, um, <laughs> uh, me, me. Yeah, like yeah, the the uh, yeah the the hype has died. Thanks, man. Right. I mean, um, after that, it's they've been teasing it for so long. Come I know, on. right? I, I, what I'm looking forward to, I mean, honestly, what caught my attention the most out of all of those, like I said, was the Monster Hunter reveal. Um, the what really gets me about the Monster Hunter release is that it's not just the it's it's a major console release. The last time they did something like that was, um when they did monster hunter world and monster Hunter rise was all right okay but monster Hunter world was like i still want to go back to that game that game was like the game like it uh, monster I, hunter I, world was definitely the best one i fucking loved that game what was the like, other one that came out the rise. most recent rise i just yeah. fell off a of rise i don't know what happened it it got i mean i played quite a bit of it but i never actually got through uh and, and played the dlc for it um but i think something they broke something with uh with rise like the um you know the monster writing thing was you know kind of like a gimmicky you know it it feels like bolted on right so whereas monster in a world was like it's you versus the fucking monster like you have to be good at your weapons Right. And I like that. That was that was one of the 
big keys with world was like yeah you have a big 3d space you need you know you can learn the fucking maps and you can learn where the you know these monsters are gonna go and it was is legitimately fun um and it can be quite difficult <laughs> uh so i'm hoping that going with monster hunter wilds giving you a mount as the gimmick and kind of opening up the space uh gives you know is something that you uh uh that kind of expands on the genre like yeah you're going to be able to you know to fight these monsters but they're going to run farther away from you uh and that will give you some time to work on your next you know angle of attack essentially and having a much bigger wider open space to be able to uh, to plan that attack could be interesting uh especially in the multiplayer so i mean that's 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 what caught uh, caught my attention i i was really super stoked for that um even though they didn't really give us a date <laughs> Yeah, no, they really it just says it's coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks like a you know a a good set of games, especially for you know for a you know a game awards announcement, a good set of games to uh, to announce at the game awards, uh, and you know give people a taste of uh, what's coming up in the next year, especially considering E three is no longer a thing forever and ever. Yeah, that came as a surprise. Yeah, I didn't. I kind of expected it, honestly. Uh, the last few years kind of prepared us for it. I mean, they just never. So right before COVID even happened, right? You already had Nintendo basically had made a real appearance at E three in like three years, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Sony Microsoft. Microsoft had pulled their, um, you know, like their main event, um, from the main stage at E3 down the street. Granted, they still have booths and stuff at E3, but you know, right? Their their main comp conference presentation was pulled to a different theater. Um. And Sony, um, really was the only big one left. And then COVID happened. And they just never really recovered after that. Well, I think it was just kind of like circling the drain before COVID. And then COVID kind of was like the, uh, uh, the final nail, the final nail for sure. It yeah. sucks, uh, in, in some ways because that's another outlet of, you know, of news that, you know that we don't get to see right um but to be honest most of uh most of what we're what we were getting from e3 is now digital um with you know i mean i mean <laughs> basically all of all of the different uh all of the different companies all of the different development studios went uh devolver digital on them and decided to just like pre-record their shit and just like played online uh so um devolver digital had been doing that for a couple of years at e3 before everybody else decided to do that so they were basically you know as far as i'm concerned 
they started the trend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the you know the idea be, uh, of we're not missing out. It's just it's not as condensed. Um, there is still PAXs, uh, even though the PAXs are kind of also going the way of E3. Um, and some in some places like PAX South is kind of hurting. Um, PAX East is still kind of, you know, uh, uh, going strong. Um, and those are basically the, uh, the indie houses, like, you know, the smaller development studios, uh, the smaller games, they get uh, showcased there and there needs to be a showcase for those guys. Like that makes the most sense. You want, you want those, uh, those companies that don't have massive marketing budgets, you know, at conferences, right? Because that gets them the, you know, that gets them the recognition, that gets the games in, pe- in players' hands, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I would much rather have, you know, five PAXs versus one E3. I agree. The PAXs so. are definitely, de- definitely better. You know, or some kind of indie, you know, indie showcase to you know to you know to make up for you know, uh, you know make up you know make new game developers. We need new blood as far as you know game developers, new ideas. Otherwise, we're going to end up falling into the same idea every single time, and that's where you know development studios like Ubisoft end up getting a reputation for having the same fucking thing every goddamn year. So new ideas absolutely must must have in the gaming uh, in gaming space. That's why we celebrate indie as much as we do here cuz we love to see new things. But, you know, or even in the case of, you know, quite a few very successful indie games over the last five years studios who take something really old and make it new again uh with some good twists on them i mean i'm kind of against the whole what is old is new again situation i want i want i didn't new... like i didn't like that i get it that they redid the game but having um Resident Evil 4 as part of the Game Awards like felt weird. Yeah, I agree. Right. I, what I want to see is I, I want to see new takes on shit. Like, I don't necessarily you know, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, they're making a new Dino Crisis. I'm like, cool. Alright, that's fine. That, that would be perfect. If you can come up with a game that's like, this takes the, the world of Dino Crisis and it takes it in a completely different direction or uh, makes it a you know uh, a, a different genre of game than it was because it really was kind of like riding on the coattails of uh, of Resident Evil, right? Um, make it something different, but you know bring that to life. Fuck yeah, go for it. But if they go out and say, "Hey, we're going to just like pull the code from Dino Crisis One and like remake it," so it's the same game, it's just in a new engine. That's not inventive. That is that stagnation. That's what we get from Hollywood. We don't want that. That's easy money for them because they don't have to really put in any, you know, any, you know, any effort outside of using or converting something to a new engine. 
Right. There's I, no I, innovation there. I don't disagree. Um, I just, I want to, there's been a lot of remakes right lately. Like Capcom is definitely cashing in on remakes like crazy right now. Yeah. I mean, there is a nostalgia factor and I get that. And I understand that that sells because I mean, most of us who are gamers in this, uh, in our age range have seen a pretty major difference from the old, you know, old fucking, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo era to today. Like, a lot of shit's changed. And it's kind of neat for people of our age that have kids to be able to, like, say, hey, I used to play this game when I was a kid. This is the newer version of it, you know? and kind of pass that along. I get that. There's a market for it. But don't make it the main, you know, the main market. Like I want new on top of that. Like you should have much smaller development teams building those games. That's a, you know, that's a steady stream of what's old is new again. And you know, give me something new to add on top of that. I agree. So that's my soapbox moment for the day. Well, that's not even what I meant for your soapbox to go on to, but, but hey, I, mean, I was talking more about, you know, game styles, etc. I mean, the amount of like 32-bit art, etc. the last five to eight years. Oh, you mean like, um, oh, I, you remember, I know you guys remember me, you know, shitting on pixel art games. Um. <laughs> it was years ago, about probably four or five years ago. I, I was, you know, I was out there saying pixel art games are fucking like low effort fucking games. And, you know, boy, have I fucking changed my tune on that. Yeah. Um, I play quite a bit of them myself. Yeah. It's not that uh, it's not that they're low effort. It's. I had to take a step back and look at what games I was playing. And I said, okay, so pixel art is an art style that calls on nostalgia, but allows you to play a new kind of game out of it. So a pixel art game that's kind of a Metroidvania will automatically, if you've played games like it, have your mind call back to the days that you were playing Metroid. Yeah, and just play blasphemous. Yeah, and then, but it's a completely different game. It's it it has different systems in it, and you know has a you know completely different you know direction that it's going in. But it makes your brain kind of call back to those earlier days. That takes that takes some skill, and it's not that it's low effort. I think that it's actually you know a higher effort you know endeavor to introduce those kinds of things into a you know a game they could have made something that was beautiful fucking hand-drawn or whatever the fuck whatever it's an art choice and i and i had to learn that <laughs> i had to relearn you know and you know you know, change my perspective on that uh so yeah 
I think I was shitting about uh, shitting on that about the same time that Undertale, you know, was a big thing, right? And yeah, I mean, I know you hate Undertale, <laughs> Justin. I, just, I know you do, um, but um, I mean, there's, you know, it it took me a little bit of time to you know to realize that I was wrong there, and I played a lot of fucking you know Pixar games that are genuinely good. So oh, yeah, I mean, just look at the the innovations there have been last few last couple of years. I'm innovative games last couple of years that are all pixel art. I mean, Vampire Survivors. Who would have guessed that that game would become as big as it is? That's the fucking like, like the, the most uh, current version of Flappy Bird. Like they created that and they didn't expect it to explode like it it did, and then the um the idea of it just becoming its own genre <laughs> imagine that like imagine sitting down coding a game and be like this is kind of neat putting it out there for a few bucks because i mean it came out for like less than five bucks right um and it becoming so fucking popular that it creates a whole genre that would blow my fucking mind as a developer i mean the amount of copycat <laughs> games in the Android Play Store or in the Google <laughs> Play Store alone, like it is ridiculous. Yeah, it's just it's just nuts. Like the uh, yeah, it's, it's just nuts. Um, that's uh, enough whimsy on uh, on what is old is new. Um. <laughs> A uh, couple more news stories here. Um, uh, it's been announced by uh, by Bethesda this week that Fallout 4's next-gen update is delayed until 2024. You don't need um, that next-gen update. There. You can put if in 104 you, uh, mods. If you download the 104 fucking mods and, you know, just play it the way that Justin's playing it. Right. Uh, though <laughs> somehow I... Though somehow I have a feeling that won't work so well on consoles. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> GTA uh, 6 got their trailer. Yep. It's supposed to be at Game Awards and, you know, it didn't happen. Oh, I noticed that. Was it that the uh, um, the the callback to uh, Vice City? Uh, Vice City? Yeah. Yeah. They even showed some, like... <laughs> some comparison to vice city <laughs> like some actual vice city gameplay in uh in the trailer which is kind of interesting like flashing back to the you know the blocky days i mean i still like grand theft auto i'm just not obsessed with it so i'll probably play it when it finally comes out it's not going to come to pc i'll have to play it on ps5 because they're going to wait like two years to put it on pc yeah uh, it's take it or leave it for me like I played the most recent version of, you know, GTA and it was like it's all right, I suppose. And GTA 5 story was I liked it pretty well. I liked the three different characters. It it was I mean, they were all three pretty fucked up people, but like the story was good. Um yeah. I mean, as the only reason I'm not going to play that right away for the campaigns just because it's going to be a PS5 exclusive, and I'm not buying a PS5 anytime soon. Uh, I mean, I don't. Uh, yeah. Well, 
I'll play it. Uh, maybe. I might play it. I don't know. It depends on how bored I am. Um, I've never really liked the GTA games, honestly. Like, GTA Five, I played through it just because you guys played through it. <laughs> and, and, and I felt like I needed to, you know, to, you know, at least give it a shot. And I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy the game. Um, that's just, that's just me. I didn't enjoy it. Um, you know, I, I would play Cyberpunk over GTA because, you know, I'm, I'm not big into the whole, like, the, the criminal thing. Like, the, the heists are done better in other games, even. So I, I, I didn't feel like, you know, GTA 5 was actually done you know, relatively well. I liked I'm it on, pretty good. I'm, I've got the unpopular opinion, so. <laughs> um, another uh, interesting news piece is, uh, is uh, with with the end of November num- sales numbers coming in, um, as, as a lot of us know, aside from uh, a couple of exceptions, that being Grand Theft Auto Five in 2013 and Red Dead Redemption Two in 2018. A Call of Duty game has held the rank of top-selling game in the U.S. for for the year, um, since 2009. Right, that's usually what sells the most copies. Right, as of the end of November. Hogwarts Legacy still sits at the at the top of the year-to-date sales charts. Dang. Oh my god. Has sold more copies than any other game this year, including Baldur's Gate 3. Um, it had more release it, yeah. platforms too, though. Yeah. As it stands right now, Hogwarts Legacy um is number one with Baldur's Gate three being number two and Call of Duty being number three. Now that said, Call of Duty also Modern Warfare three also just released in uh in the middle of November and has been getting a lot of flack for the fact that the story campaign is like four hours. Uh, uh they're they're which they're getting oh Call of Duty on. yeah. Huh? Call of Duty, I've just to... yeah. Call of Duty's you know campaign has always been short. <laughs> yeah, but like the last couple games, you at least had um six to eight hours. This is way shorter. Like um, somebody said, uh, unless you just um. Uh, played it on the hardest hardest difficulty right out the gate. It's like a three hour campaign. Um, wow. Yeah. So uh, um, it's kind of been hit hard, though. I'm guessing a lot of people are probably still going to buy it just for the new um, multiplayer seasons, but. Eh. Well, that's that's the thing. Call of Duty is finally hitting its like, you know, h- hitting its 
its wall. It needs to innovate. <laughs> Otherwise, it's it's going to get, you know, it's hard to sell a brand new fucking game every year when things like Fortnite exist or Warzone exists, you know? Because those things are constant, but you know, those games, uh, you know, the modern warfare or the, you know, the yearly call of duty titles, uh, you know, they have to be something, you know, they have to have something in it like, you know, work, you know, the, uh, call of duty zombies, you know, mode that's, you know, that's different than online. Otherwise it's just gonna, um, it, it's just gonna stagnate. And I think they're, you know, I think they shot themselves in the foot when they did Warzone. Um, because a lot of the people who played the multiplayer for Call of Duty went to Warzone. Which is free to play. You know, you know, and those people are having, you know, a decent amount of time at that. And, you know, maybe moved on to fucking Fortnite or where the fuck else so they went, you know, went to go. Th- you know, those people who play those, you know, the multiplayer versions of those uh, of the game. I played the Call of Duty Modern Warfare series for the story. I played the multiplayer because everybody else in my, you know, my group was playing multiplayer and you wanted to get me off of WoW. <laughs> that was, that was the real, that was the real, real thing about Call of Duty was it, it's what broke me away from WoW. Um, so them having problems selling Call of Duty, you know, MW2, you know, I can, I, I kind of called it like I could, I could, I, I could say that I said that, you know, that, uh, the, um, you know, going with the, uh, the, oh God, the battle royale. That's the word. That's, uh, oh God, my brain's <laughs> all turned off. Uh, the battle royale version of, uh, of, you know, Call of Duty was, you know, was going to have, a big impact on on their sales. I think that's what they're experiencing right now. But yeah, it's not even the first. It's not even numbers two. Like I, I yeah. looked at uh, the year to date. Hogwarts Legacy is number one. Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom is number two, and Diablo Four is number three. There you are. And then it goes to Call of Duty. So they've they slipped quite far down on the chart, you know, compared to what they're, you know, what they're used to. Hopefully it kicks Activision's ass and, you know, in the right direction. Right. Well, and hopefully they won't rush another one, right? Like, well, they won't originally, have... originally they were supposed to have two years, but then Activision decided, oh, no, hey, Infinity War, go ahead. We're, uh, we're bumping you because they're, because Sledgehammer's and Treyarch is taking too long with Black Ops. Well, so basically they had to rush it. Well, well, we'll, we'll just see what happens good. because uh, all of that's going to be under Microsoft purview soon, right? So, yep. <laughs> we'll see. Um, uh, we'll see how the dis- uh, how the Call of Duty franchise actually you know changes over time. Yeah. And another piece of interesting and I think a little hilarious news. Um, Valve decided to give uh, 
some Dota 2 players a uh, very thoughtful gift wrap uh, present for their festive Frostivus 2023 event. Yes. Um, this is uh, and this was fu- this was discovered uh, during a live stream from a ex-pro Dota 2 player Mason Vinny okay. who was streaming the opening of the Festivus of his Festivus gift on Twitch on Thursday. Um, and his gift was basically a highly toxic lump of coal. Yep. Uh, and what that is, is basically it's a notice to a player that they have been permabanned or partially banned or temporarily. I mean, well, uh, or depends. either depends on the depends on whether or not they've received a warning before. Um, that they've either been banned for smurfing or other violations of the Steam terms of service, uh, which they basically outline as uh, um, sharing accounts. Ah. Uh. See, I had to actually stop for a moment. I saw this at the, you know, uh, at work, honestly. That's where I found it. Uh, and I had to stop and, you know, be like, all right, what the fuck is smurfing? Because I don't play those games. So <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't know. Um, and smurfing is simply, you know, high ranked accounts creating new accounts so that they can pump up, you know, beat the shit out of noobs. Right. Which sucks. So it's, it's like, you know, or somebody that's like triple diamond that created a brand new account just so that they can, you know, like beat the fresh meat, you know, or intentionally, you know, tanking matches to derank themselves down to lower levels. Well, that's, that is more evident than just creating new accounts and for dota it doesn't it doesn't take much like you just create a new steam account right right um so it's 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 it it sucks when it happens to you because it's evident you're playing somebody with a much higher skill level at lower levels um but yeah I hope they enjoy their fucking lumps of coal, <laughs> you know, and their IP bands. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that I, I read about that at work. I was like, oh, fuck, what the hell? Yeah. All right. Like the, just the, you know, you can say a lot of things about Valve and Steam and the Gaben. The Gaben. But, uh, the Gaben. uh, I mean, just the fucking comedic gold it is to actually do this on a seasonal event with a wrapped package and put a literal lump of coal in there, in their package. That is just great. 
Yeah, well, I mean. Happy Festivus. This is uh, the time for airing of grievances. And I have a, <laughs> I have a lot of problems with you people. You're going to hear about it. <laughs> That's amazing. Any hustle. You got anything else? I don't. Awesome. Uh, that's all the big stuff. Uh, I've I've got dinner waiting. So let's do it at almost eleven o'clock. All right. So yeah. Jason, where can you find us? Find us at tiltcast dot com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter dot com slash tiltcast. Our YouTube channels youtube dot com slash real tiltcast and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find friends of the show. You've got. For the love of gaming, you've got NoQuarters.net, you've got Picking Up the Pixels or Pupcast, and TVGP.tv. They will, I think they already did their game of the year. With that, it's the end of the show. All right. Happy holidays. Peace. Yep. Peace. Peace.